Episode 31 of the Coins R Us podcast. Joel's here with Kim and Jesse. And we've got a new all-time leader in goals scored for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. Harry Kane, he's one of our own. Bags number 267 against Man City to give us a 1-0 win. Our first big six win of the season. Um, and his 200th Premier League goal. Seems like he's the right place to start for today. I don't even, like, I feel like we gush praise on Harry every episode. I'm not sure where to exactly start for today. I mean, what can you say? The guy's just a absolute legend. Conte out. We can't beat a big 16 with him. Stellini in. <laughs> you literally can't spell in without Stellini. He's the new boss. Okay. I like Conte, that. Stay, stay at home. Ridiculous. You're done. I like that. Stellini in. Uh, yeah. Kane's just a machine. Like he regularly spouts off like 20 goals a season. Even on seasons that he gets hurt, I think like his lowest goal total for Spurs in one season was like 19. So it's like we've seen Kane go through like injuries, stuff that's kept him off for months, and he still manages to bag almost 20 goals in that season so he just is very consistent um and I think without him Spurs just would not even be a team that people even think about um there are times where our squad can't seem to do anything right and then Caden just pops up and bags a goal and like you really think about it most weekends you kind of expect him or most games you show up you kind of just expect him to score it's if he doesn't, you're kind of, you might be a little disappointed. You're like, okay, what's going on with you, Kane? Why aren't you putting the ball in the box? Um, and that's a testament to him right, right there. Like the fact that we almost expect him to score week in and week out, um, I think says a lot about the talent. I was listening to, I think it was Ali Gold doing his recap, and he compared Kane to like a hybrid of like taking the skills of, De Bruyne and Harland and combining them. And it's it's interesting because, you know, you could see Kane as a 10. You could see Kane probably as a defender. Like, if, if that's what he chose to do, he has the IQ to be able to do it. And there were a lot of times, especially in the Mourinho era, where it felt like he was the best player in all three phases of the pitch where like he would be the one clearing the ball on corners and then he would be the one creating goals for Sonny and then he'd also be the one collecting the ball and creating goals for himself. And like just obviously the goal scoring is going to be where every conversation with Harry Kane is going to start. But I think it's the all-round just complete footballer um, that makes him stand out even more to me than just someone like a Harland who scores a lot of goals or a Lewandowski who scores a lot of goals, but like he does it all. <laughs> and for me, um, he's the best complete striker in the world, not even just in the premier league because he can do everything. It was also nice to kind of see him kind of show some of his human side. <laughs> like you could see him getting a little emotional and like talking about his family and then congratulating, uh, like celebrating with all the, his teammates. And I think you see Kane as like this goal scoring machine. Um, and obviously like he celebrates big goals, um, but you don't really see him as an emotional person. 
I at least I don't. And so that was like a nice, it was a nice departure from just like this goal scoring monster that we typically see him as. Yeah, I think it was good. And I think what also, you know, this is, we're recording this on, on Wednesday and last night, LeBron James <laughs> of the American basketball team, Los Angeles Lakers <laughs> uh, just broke the record for all time scoring in NBA history, a bigger, bigger record for sure. But like, also it was awesome to see it happen and goals and points are different, right? The record that LeBron broke was 38,000. Kane just did the most for Spurs, which is 267. But it was cool to see him have the decisive and only goal while we're fighting for what we're always fighting for in top four against the top team, the the, the defending champions in city, uh, you know, at, at home and, uh, and to do it in a win where like, of course it was neat that, you know, LeBron did that, did it with a, a little fadeaway last night, but like, it's a bit of a lost season for the Lakers. They ended up losing the game. Like it was awesome to see Kane do it in a game that we, that we won um, as well to, to, to see that happen. And, and Kim, to your point earlier, like, yeah, his worst season in the league since he became a full on uh, starter uh, in 14, 15 uh, was 17 goals uh, and four assists. Or you know, if you want to look at goal scoring totals was 17 goals and four assists in 18, 19, this is his worst year. That's a really, really good year for, you know, almost everybody. Uh, and obviously he's got significantly better seasons than that. Um, and he's already got 17 uh, plus an assist this year. So, um, you know, that's – he's just absolutely – like, it, yeah, it is tough to see him as a – you know, sometimes as a person because he is a machine. And and I think, like, here's the thing that people forget also. Like, remember, like, did you be like, oh, Kane's going to pick up an ankle injury? Mm-hmm. And a lot of that was like, well, because Poach never plays anybody else. Well, whatever he's done to change or 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 whatever, I don't know if he's, if he's just gotten a, a better run of luck or if he's changed the way he's training – but he played in the league 35 games two years ago, 37 games uh, last year, and all 22 games this year. And he hasn't had very many subs. So that was also the part of it. it was like, Harry's going to score, but he's going to miss six to 10 games unexpectedly, you know, a season. And and that happened for a couple of seasons. It hasn't, it hasn't happened, you know, for, for a few years now. And, and again, uh, he, it felt like it was not muscle injuries with him. It felt like it was ligament and, and those kind of things. So it's, um, I don't know if how much, yeah, that's changed with, with whatever, or if things are just, if he's training differently, but that's a, that's a huge credit to him as well, because, you know, to, to go after any kind of, um, all time goals versus a season goal, you obviously have to take care of yourself and you have to continue to be at a high level and adjust yourself, right? He's never been an absolute burner. So he's got a guy that's going to be able to age very well. Um, but you know that, what uh, that also reminds me of too is like the fact that he's obviously done something training wise to be able to kind of not get these injuries that he kept getting I think also speaks to his work ethic and Kane to me is special not only because of how good he is at the sport but it's the fact that he just worked really hard and got really good like he wasn't like a Jude Bellingham who was being touted as the next big thing at the age of 16. Like he really wasn't that he went on a ton of loans. He had to wait his chance. Yeah. One season (laughs) wonder. I love that. He hasn't given that up though. Cause I used to make that joke after his like third or fourth season as a one season wonder, I would still make that joke to my wife and she'd roll her eyes and be like, cool. I don't really want to care about that joke anymore. So I'm (laughs) thrilled that, that Harry still cares enough that he made the caption to his Instagram and did a TikTok uh, with a little violin thing about like, yeah, I'm a one season wonder, you know, I think, uh, yeah. I mean, last point I was thinking of, but that's the thing, right? Like it's, it's, he came out of relatively nowhere 
and he just never left. And I think that speaks to like how seriously he takes it. And the fact that he's obviously working harder than everybody else, because it's not like he was just born with a bunch of God given talent and he just showed up and just did his like, this is all a gen like, this is all a product of really hard work opposed to just natural ability. I think it's interesting that we say this and I don't know if this is the right time or the right pot or if I'm the right person as a white guy to say it, but we always say that um, with white players, right? Like he has, he's hardworking. You see it a lot more in basketball and football than we talk about it with in, in, uh, in soccer, but it is interesting. Obviously he's got some natural ability um, and he does work hard, but like, I don't want it to say that he works harder than other players and like discredit other players for not working as hard. Cause he definitely has changed some things. Um, and uh, and and had gotten healthier as well and and like that's one of the things that i love most about him is is his work ethic and and history and that kind of stuff but like um you know i think like there's there's obviously definitely some skill that it took him some while to unlock you know to a degree as well and it just Fair. speaks to like his level of dedication because at any point he could have just said like all right this was not for me but he wanted to be the, like you can tell in himself he wants to be the best and he strives every day to be the best Harry Kane that he can on the pitch. And that's the kind of stuff that you can't really replace. Like you can't replace drive. You can't replace determination. And I feel like he embodies that like consistently. And it, it was easy for him to, like I'm saying it for a lot of people, it's, and just to keep it up consistently. I think consistency is something that a lot of people lack. Like Deli Alley was a star for years. Right. And he just could not keep up his level of consistency. And so to see a guy that people did not rate, just come in and say like, I know I'm, I know who I can be and I'm just going to work to be that person. And that's the kind of stuff that I'll always think of as amazing. Like to me, that's the kind of stuff that makes sports interesting. It makes sports like fun to watch is to see guys that other people might not think are great, but they know inside themselves that they have that ability and they just work, work towards it consistently. Yeah, I mean, and it's not a perfect comparison by any stretch, but like I, he was in the news today, so that's why it's it's top of mind. But um, Pierre Mc uh, Obama Yang, uh, and he's a few years older than Harry, so these aren't perfect comparisons. But like that's a guy like he's about to go. He's getting he's going to the MLS, which you know is not the full on retirement league that he. Wait, used what to was be. this? I didn't hear this. Uh, he's probably going to LAFC. I think is what it like, sounded like. Like in the summer. Or like now, like soon, like it sounds like sooner, like before the LAFC season started, it sounds like he's he's potentially. Oh, wow. It's it's for sure not a here we go or anything close to that, but it sounds like he's he's fallen out of favor at uh, at Chelsea. And yeah, like, well, Chelsea's just signed a bunch of guys, and I, I the last thing I read was that they dropped him from their um from their UEFA um squad, so he he won't be playing. Yeah, and, and a different guy, mm-hmm. but like I'm just looking at his Premier League experience at Arsenal and and not counting his first year when he transferred in January, but had 22, 22 incredible goal hauls. I think one of those years he was joint um, uh, golden boot. Yeah. But then 10 for, and again, being a couple years older than Harry is now at this point, uh, and then went to Barca and had 11. And like, and then now he's won one goal in 11 matches, uh, just 400 minutes or over 400 minutes for Chelsea. Like, so the consistency too, to, to break those kind of all time records, especially now, right? Like when some of these guys had records, like when Babe Ruth had, you know, in baseball had records, he was, no one was taking care of their bodies, black people, people of color weren't in the league. So Babe Ruth was mashing home runs, but against guys that were like, you know, the, the sport wasn't what it is today. Some of these goal, all time goal scoring records are not what they are. 
right now, if you're doing it, I mean, like you're, you're competing against people that we have all the technology advancements and training and all these things. And these athletes are incredible. So to be able to be as consistent as H has been over year over year, um, you know, uh, under multiple different managers, multiple different systems is just, it's just an incredible, uh, incredible run. We're lucky for having him. <laughs> I'll keep saying that because to have that kind of guy come out of your academy is like a once in a lifetime kind of thing that normally doesn't happen. And they normally don't stick around and it's possible that he wouldn't have either, but we don't have to think about that at the moment. He's still here and he's breaking records. You know, it's funny you bring that up because that is something that I have been thinking about over the past few weeks of, you know, that whole saga that happened not last summer, but the summer before. And, you know, that that very cringy interview that he did with Gary Neville on the golf course and the whole saga with his brother in Man City. And at that point. I know I'm not alone because, you know, there were other Spurs fans as well who kind of just felt like if he doesn't want to be here, then, you know, he can take his ass on. Um, And obviously that didn't happen. It didn't work out. You know, we won that opener with Nuno. The, the fans were chanting, are you watching Harry Kane? And it was kind of like tense for a while. And even when he came back, it was still like he wasn't scoring goals for a minute. And then when he finally did, it was like people weren't really singing his name. Like it was kind of like, you know, this guy is playing for our club begrudgingly. And when you feel like somebody doesn't want to be there, it's hard to really get behind him as a fan because you don't want to, it's, you know, it's kind of, <laughs> you, you don't want to like be with somebody who doesn't want to be with you. You know, <laughs> I was just thinking that I was like, you don't put your heart out there for somebody who doesn't want to actually be here. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think Conte coming in had a lot to do with the shift um, because now we're seeing a more engaged Harry than we saw certainly under Nuno, which um, you know, I could say that for a number of players, but it is interesting to see like how it played out and like the fact that we wouldn't have had a moment like we had on Sunday if he actually got his move. That would have just been the end of the story with Harry and, and Spurs. And I'm glad it didn't work out for him. <laughs> uh, I still can. I still contend that City wasn't really serious about signing him because if they were, they could have just put up the 120 and shut up. Um, Clearly, we know now they could have put up 250 if they wanted to with all the freaking uh, illegal financial maneuvers that they're doing that they're not getting right. punished for. Exactly. Um, so they didn't want him. We did. We kept him. And I'm happy for us. And we beat them again. Speaking uh, of City, yes. another match at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium where they failed to score a goal. They have now zero goals total at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So that's now what? four seasons going yeah it's five matches five matches four four seasons ten close to 10 xg not a not what is one. that about is it just is it the south stand is just that intimidating <laughs> i think some of it is like circumstance um like that nuno match that like one of the ones one of the matches we won was just everybody played out of their skin i often feel like at home against city this team just decides like we're much better than we actually are. <laughs> um, the irony is that we don't play like that at home against anybody else. No, so. but that's what I'm saying. It's, it's like there are certain teams that have a bogey team and we just happen to be City's bogey team um, at the moment. Uh, so I just think 
for some reason, guys just tend to show up when City shows up. Um, and like, we'll talk about this match. To me, like I said, people had performances that were just levels above anything they were putting forward for like the past few weeks. Like Eric Dyer had some really, really like important interceptions. I feel like the entire back line was pressing up more than they have all season. There are oftentimes like, yeah, we, we still played that mid block, but when, when the front line actually drove city back, you saw Dyer Romero and Davies like close to our middle point line actually supporting the press. So there wasn't that huge gap between the midfield and the defense that we always think of as a problem. And there wasn't a huge gap between the midfield and the front line. It felt like everybody was moving in sync in a way that I feel like we haven't seen much this year. Um, So I think part of it was they had a whole week off, which I think is always helpful. Um, But I just think in general, uh, the team just showed up in a way that was impressive and City had their moments where they did things that they normally probably wouldn't do, but I think it's still hard to totally nullify Holland. Like that's the kind of thing that not many people have done this year. So um, I was impressed overall. I mean, Kane is Kane and we had to start the podcast talking about Kane, but a part of me is actually, you know, a little disappointed that we've gone 15 minutes without talking about Emerson Royale (laughs) because my God, what in the world was that man of the match performance Grealish in his pocket? I mean, I mean, Grealish Grealish had a good game. Grealish had a good game, like, but he didn't obviously have the final thing. But like, whereas like Holland was in the pocket, like Holland didn't have any touches. He didn't have a shot like Holland was was. Well, see, that's the, the I think that he does was that. Like, he does Grealish that a lot. Contained. I think that really, was a really tactic, well. though. Like, we, yeah, for sure. We in general let sit, and we've done this for years. We let City get the ball on the wings, and then we'll du- when we're playing well, we double up on the guys on the wings. So anytime you see saw Mars get the ball, there were two people trying to get the ball off him. Anytime you saw Grealish get the ball, less there were two people, but Emerson was always there trying to make sure he didn't make something happen in the box, and he he probably made like. Seven. Ta- I feel like he made like seven tackles on Grealish that were just very, very necessary at a very important time. So he, yeah, I think in general he played. He he was amazing. Like defensively, going forward, like connecting with other guys. I feel like all across the board, Emerson was just impressive. And I, I love to know, you know, speaking as the husband of a sports psychologist, of how much of you know the Poro signing is like, hey. Listen, put a battery like, in his back. Know, yeah, like this is it. Like they 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 literally just bought my place and they're saying I'm not good enough. Clearly, they're just they just spent 50 million dollars to say I'm not good enough. You know, I like maybe he knew like I'm better than Doc or I'm better than you know whoever else we might put back there, but like like this is a new shiny dude coming in. Like I gotta do all this stuff to make sure that I'm that you guys still know like I can still play. Like Poro is not the freaking first name on the team sheet that you can still work me in. I still deserve deserve some time. Um, you know, obviously we'd love to think that our guys just get up for every game and have all this stuff. We know that's not the case. So, um, you know, having that opportunity, uh, or having that, not opportunity, but that, uh, that challenge, like that's what the best teams do. Like, that's why I was like, yes, let's sign with Charleston. Obviously it hasn't worked out yet because he's been hurt. And, but like that keeps pressure on people like Sonny and Kane and the other guys are like, I'm not just guaranteed a spot. So that's, 
Maybe we're going to see the best version of Emerson ever. And in, and in a month or two Unless months, you're like, why is Emerson getting any more run? <laughs> Unless you're Sonny and Kane, who right. are actually always guaranteed a spot. But yes, <laughs> in theory, they shouldn't be. Um, no, it's I mean, it's definitely interesting because like on the one hand, yes, you definitely feel like he's been getting abused by fans. He's getting booed by his own people. They spent the entire window essentially saying the biggest priority is to replace this guy. And so, like, obviously, he's aware of where he stands with the club, where he stands with the fans. And I do think that on some level that played into the psychology of of Sunday. But I would also say that Royale has had his best performances in games where we give up possession. Mm-hmm. His best performance last year was away at Anfield. He played well against City in the Etihad match. This year, he scored a goal. Yeah. So, like, it isn't completely unprecedented that he would have a big game. And I would say even if Poro were healthy, Emerson was probably still going to be the person to start in this match. Um, what is going to be interesting, though, is to see what happens on Saturday with Leicester because you did have this nice, big $45 million splashy signing that obviously you want to be able to, like, roll out your shiny new toy. But at the same time, it, it does feel a little hard on Royale to bench him after such a strong performance and arguably his best performance in a Spurs shirt. The thing is, is you could also say the game right after that is what AC Milan. So yeah, you know, like it, to me, it's the kind of thing that they're going to have to road start rotating again more consistently it's a good Especially problem at the wing back position. So I don't I don't think we're going to have to worry too much about as long as we stay in a couple competitions. I don't think we're going to be like, oh, this guy's not getting time. I feel like both Emerson and Coral will get time at the wing back position. They'll probably start going back to rotation on guys coming out at the 70 minute mark or whatever. So I, I don't know. I'm not really like worried about those two guys getting time. And I think things should be situational on on moments that we expect to have the ball a lot and we're no a bunch of crosses are going to go in play Poro. Like, I think that's the time you do it. Um, but against a team like city Emerson Royale is just a really good defender. And when you need someone to defend, he's probably going to be the guy that always plays. So like you said, I did expect him always to start this game. Um, Lester, I probably would start Poro and I probably would start Emerson against, um, AC yeah, or, or right. vice versa. Like I, I would probably split those games up between the two of them, depending on. Yeah, how somebody's got to get thirty minutes not, in yeah, one of the, not, in, in the in the Leicester game, and someone's got to get sixty or, or close to, it, or even a halftime sub, depending on what the what the thing is. I mean, Leicester would be the dream snare. Whoever we start, hopefully we're up a couple goals, you know, by the fifty fifth minute, and then we can just like great, bring on the next guy and and get them either get Emerson, you know, to stay fit or to get Poro to to uh, to to give him some time. Yeah, I definitely like Poro against Leicester and Royale against uh, against Milan. Um, I also would not be giving Poro his first start in a, <laughs> the round of 16 away leg. Like, no. Um, if he does start against AC Milan, he he had better be starting on Saturday um, because I, I, I think that's a recipe for disaster. It's funny, though, because, um, well, first of all, I'll say, Thinking about the match on Sunday, uh, you know, I'm, I'm at the pub watching the, the match and and um, Z, one of the guys who comes to D.C. Spurs, was like defending Royale from the beginning. Like, that's my guy, man. That's my guy. You guys hate on Royale. 
Watch, watch, just watch. That's my guy. So the game starts, and he's like putting in the shift, and then he's like, "Yo, I told you, Royale's my guy." So then everybody is like, kind of like starting to see like Royale's kind of having like Royale. He's having a, he's having a so game. So then we're we're all like looking at each other, and I'm the big loudmouth that's you know usually you know making leading all the chances stuff, but Royale doesn't even have a chance. <laughs> So he just started going, Royale, 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 every time he makes a play. And it was, like, ironic at first. Like, we were doing it as a joke. And then, like, the good plays kept happening. And by the second half, it's like the whole bar is just Royale, Royale, Royale. So I don't know what's going to happen um, in the actual stadium. Uh, it would be nice to, to see his name get sung in, in some way or form or fashion. But if the Royale, Royale, Royale chant goes – and, and, and becomes global. Just remember, it started at DC Spurs. <laughs> just remember, if you if you hear it on TV, just know it started at DC Spurs. Um, Speaking of supporters clubs, I just want to quickly give a shout out to South Florida Spurs. Um, I shout out this weekend as me and Joel are <laughs> college in Miami. It was like fun to see what the supporters club culture was like in South Florida. And honestly, I, I had a dope time. They are definitely a big chanting group. So there's there's one guy that's just like you, and he will literally, I think we chanted ninety percent of that match. <laughs> oh yeah, we yeah, like they like it, they they chant they chant a lot. I was I was okay. I was definitely uh, surprised to see how much they do, but it was a it was definitely a good time. So shout out to them, and if you're down in Miami or you know uh Broward County they meet in Hollywood Florida um at a bar so it's sort of preemptive shout to the Palm Beach County Spurs I watched a game with them in April and I'll be down there for the um whoever we play after Milan West Ham um the next weekend the 19th game um but they were just getting restarted they didn't even have a scarf I wanted to buy a scarf when I was down there they were just getting restarted but it's a really cool bar in uh in West Palm I'm going to have to check that one out next time I go down, too. And speaking of the West Ham match, I will actually be in London at the stadium for that game. I will be traveling with a large group of supporters from D.C. Spurs. I think our group size is going to be like 70. So we will be um, a massive uh, portion of the South Stand um, for the for the West Ham game on this uh, the weekend after Leicester. Uh, so for those. London listeners out there, link us up. <laughs> we'll be around. Would definitely love to get in contact with some people while I'm in town. And maybe we'll even try to do a pod or something while I'm there. I don't know. We'll have to figure that out with the time difference. But, um, yes, looking forward to that. Um, we will be in the building for the West Ham match. It's ironic, though, thinking about the right wing back situation. It feels like we've spent the past three four years talking about how we needed replacement um whether it was Kyle Walker Peters or whether it was Serge Aurier or whether it was Emerson Royale and now it feels like after this amazing performance that came right after this big signing it's almost like oh this position is just fixed now um it's just it's very interesting to see how things could turn around even looking at our schedule and looking at um how everyone was feeling after Arsenal and then following that up with a loss to city. And then, you know, we, we get a, we get a few FA cup wins and then 
we get a nice win against Fulham and in a nice win against City. And it feels like the mood has just completely turned around. And it's just interesting to see how up and down things can go like in the span of a week. The irony, <laughs> I think, is the fact that now I'm looking at the left side and, and thinking, I don't really feel too great. Like you were talking earlier, Kim, about how they were doubling up. And like, yes, part of that is definitely tactical strategy. But I was watching the game and thinking like, oh, they're doubling up because they don't want Parasich to get cooked on that side. Because I mean, he, he got cooked by Mara's just the last time we played. So, yeah, he didn't just like- get cooked. He got burned. <laughs> he got left. He got left in the oven overnight. Yeah. Um, so, like, you, you have on one, you, you know, you have Parasic and who's helping him on that side, Sonny. Like, neither one of those are, like, strong defenders. Um, and I think just Ryan Sessegnon at, at this point to me is is one of the weak, weaker points of, of our squad. And so with Parasic kind of taking a nosedive since the World Cup, I feel like now that left wing back spot is, like, looking like more of a sore, sore point. Um, but like I said, we're we're in a better place. And even looking at our schedule, I think what's exciting is the fact that outside of the Champions League, we don't have a lot of difficult games left. Um, we still have to play Chelsea, but that matches at home. And Chelsea's actually bad right now. We still have to go away to Newcastle. That's not till April. We've got to go to Anfield. That's in April. We've got to play Man United. That's also in April. And so over the course of the next couple months, we've got like a decent run of games where we can really make something shake, particularly if we're able to bend in Poro and Dan Juma, get Richie firing. Like, I don't want to get too optimistic because that's not really what I do. <laughs> but there are chances. No, you're wrong, Chief. No, you're wrong. Yeah, okay. But, but, yeah. But no, you can see that it's funny with the difference in just perspective <laughs> after a couple of wins in the league. Because what is this is like three weeks ago, we were like, we did say it could go either way. Like we could figure this stuff out or it could just be that, you know, stuff just continues on the, the downward slope. But I feel like the team has worked on defensive solidity. I feel like that has been the thing. Like, yes, the city game was, I think just that was trash. We played terribly, but I feel like outside of that game, we haven't been like this super, super open team in a way that I feel like we were giving up two goals every, every game, every time we played, it was just consistent. Every time we played, we'd give up two goals. Um, So I feel like there has been work on the defensive side. And Conte did say, I think it was against, um, who was that game against? I'm trying to remember. Fulham. I think it was when we played Palace. Or no. That's when we had picked up that first clean sheet in a while. And I think that Conte was like, we have to use this as like a building block on how we are defensively solid. And if we're able to do that, then we can go on to do the things that we were doing last year. And I feel like at this point, I've I do think there has been just a conscious effort on being a little more defensively solid. And to me, as long as we keep that portion of it up, I feel like the team can, can win matches. Like, like I said, we showed this entire year that we can score goals, even if they all happen in the second half. 
we've shown that we can get some goals on the board. So we just have to figure out a way to consistently like be defensively solid. And I think based on the running that we have coming up, we have the chance to continue to do that. And, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, to your point, looking at that Crystal Palace match and, and what happened since then, Spurs have won five of their last seven matches. Um, all five were clean sheets. The only two losses coming to Arsenal and City. Granted, two of those wins were against Portsmouth and Preston, but a win is a win, and, and so is a clean sheet. Looking to the run in for February, we've got Leicester away, Milan away, West Ham home, and Chelsea home, followed by the FA Cup fifth-round draw away to Sheffield United. And so if you're looking at the next four to five matches, you know, these are all winnable games especially with the form that Chelsea and Milan are currently in. Those are still going to be matches that we have to get up for um, because they still have talented players, but they don't seem to be as daunting as they may have otherwise been. Um, if, if both of those teams were firing on all cylinders, I want to talk really quickly about the FA cup. Uh, this just finished having their replays uh, yesterday and today. So the round of 16 is now set. You got Stoke versus Brighton, Leicester versus Blackburn, Fulham versus Leeds, Bristol City versus City versus Man City, Southampton versus Grimsby Town, Jesse's favorite club, Burnley versus big Fleetwood Grimsby Town. Guy. Say that again. Big Grimsby guy. Yeah, big Grimsby guy. Uh, Burnley versus Fleetwood Town, which I didn't even know was a, was a club. Manchester United versus West Ham, and then Sheffield versus Spurs. Looking at the round of sixteen teams, I mean. You've got Manchester United. You've got Man City. Outside of that, like, who are you really worried about? Maybe Fulham, um, depending on how they show up. But they could lose to Leeds. Like, this is a very, very favorable draw. Um, obviously, you don't want to get ahead of yourself. I still see Sheffield United as a must-win game. And, and a conversation that I was having with some friends this week is like, for me... If we talk about must-win games, it's got to be the ones in the FA Cup and the Champions League because the cup competitions are paramount in my mind's eye. And maybe if you guys disagree, we could have a conversation about that. Um, but like for me, the cup competitions trump the top four race. And I think this top four thing has like turned into this... Um, de facto trophy in the way that people talk about it. And it's nice to be able to say like, we finished top four and you know, we, we finished top four over Arsenal last season. And that was great to laugh at them. But if we just get top four again this season and aren't able to make the most of the competitions that we're in with the tournaments, then I like, I don't know. I, to me, that just doesn't feel ambitious enough. And I would much rather us not finish top four and, you know, go to a final at, at the very least, even if we're not able to win it. Like really, to me, these are bigger games, especially looking at the competition that's left in the FA Cup. Like we should really be looking at this as our biggest priority, in my opinion. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And and I think that this is this is a, a good chance. I, I I 
was on record, at least in the chat, that I didn't want to have a set up a freaking beautiful finale to the Wrexham uh, FC show and have to have them have <laughs> no, a shot. No, 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 no. I wouldn't. Us, so I'd much, much, much rather have Sheffield. Um, you know, albeit them being a, a stronger club. So I think, yeah, that's 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 the that's the chance. Um, uh, and I yeah, will I mean, say, it, I, I watched that replay, and Sheffield did not look very strong at all. Um, granted, Wrexham plays ahead of their depths like they they play better than they are but they didn't really win the game until um paul mullen got hurt and they very well could have lost that game or it could have gone to extra time so all that to say like i'm really not that worried about sheffield and i'm hoping that that doesn't bite me um (laughs) a few weeks from now we just gotta show up if we show up we should win that's all like to me. Uh, that's what kind of what Spurs is right now. The team shows up and plays even similar, even like halfway, like they did against City. Like being brave when you have the ball, like getting into the tackle. I mean, we can talk about. We haven't talked anything about Romero, but um, like the, that guy getting a red card, like it's just, it's just so that's, predictable. That's the bad part. But the, so I will say his second yellow card, Hoiberg made a pass that was that put him in a bad position. And so that's the kind of thing like he made a pass directly to the defender, which then in turn made it that Romero had was the last person, basically. And I I at the time, I preferred Romero getting sent off and us just deciding to be solid than sitting in a chance, getting a goal and tr- like turning the momentum so I wasn't like too chuffed about him getting a red card and I kind of felt like the team from what they show for the whatever 82 minutes before that kind of had a handle on where they needed to be with City and the fact that Holland was basically out of the game at that point I just I wasn't as nervous that we'd give up a goal once we went down to 10 men in a way that I might have and in other aspects and i honestly would prefer city not to have scored a goal <laughs> yeah i mean it was the most complete 90 minutes we played and before that it was the most complete 81 or whatever you said minutes that we played so it was still a nervy that didn't have to be that nervy because that was definitely a yellow there with the end and it was more about like man his first one was very pointless um and i don't mind a, a crunching argentine spurs tackle uh, we know lamella used to make those as well but like maybe wait to the second half to just do those reckless ones <laughs> so you're not sitting on it for the whole entire time you know but yeah, I mean it was a it was a complete performance and it was um hopefully we can we can go on a on a on a bit of a run now. But he's truly like a shit house all-star because even the post that he made after the game was I think one of the pictures was like his crunching tackle on Holland <laughs> that he got a yellow card for. Uh, I love that guy. Yeah. I mean, it. yeah, that's that you know, you don't want to stereotype but so South Americans, man, they are something else. Yeah. First, we had Lamella, and now we've got him and, and Richie, and uh, there does seem to be a little bit of a trend there. So, um, yeah, those guys, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's no wonder that him and Richie used to get into it because they come from the same cloth. Um, I, and I'm excited to see Richie be able to, like, I thought that he would get a sub on in the game because I just felt like, Oh, like this is a perfect game for Richie to come on and and play like the last fifteen minutes. But so I'll say he's just gonna piss people off. He's gonna eat the clock. Like we didn't end up needing him, but I I did think that that sub was coming. And 
I'll say we've we've talked like badly about Sonny for a good portion of this year, but I think in this match he didn't score, but the stuff that we would get on him for throughout the year, like his touch was pretty on point. He moved the ball along and at times where I felt like it was necessary. Um, I just felt like he was, this might've been the, he didn't score any goals, but I think this might've been the best he played all year. So I think like scoring those couple goals in the FA cup might've given him like a little uh, boost in confidence, um, like leading the line, like Conte actually still thinking like, all right, we're still going to give you these chances. Um, hopefully that was like the turning point of his season, because if he's firing, then we're a team that's very, very hard to deal with. Yeah. The secondary scoring hasn't been there uh, obviously at all this year and, and the, in the league only, um, I think Kane, Kane has 17 and then Pierre son and Rodrigo were joint second with four. Um, and then uh, in all competitions, Kane has 19, Son has eight. Obviously, he racked up a couple against uh, Portsmouth or whoever we played the other day. Um, Pierre, five. Rodrigo, five. That's it still. Like, Richie, who's been hurt, has two. Uh, Decky, who's been hurt, has two. Um, uh, Davies and Sess have two. And, like, you know, there's there's going to be, like, Dan Juma is going to come in and going to have some. Perisic has been there. He's had the opportunities. He's got nine assists. He's leading us in assists. He's going to get some goals, you know, uh, later on this year. And, and um, uh, you know, I think we're going to see more of that secondary scoring from Sun getting better um, and uh, and from Richie being healthy. And, and then Juma and Porto is probably going to bang a couple in, I think, as well. So I think the secondary scoring will have a little bit more predictable um, it, you know, so it's not just if we need a goal, it has to be Kane. Um, but we're going to, you know, Decky's going to, bold statement but i think one of decky or richarlson is going to finish in, in all competitions in double digits this year despite both of them having two at the uh, at the present moment i need that and i'm and from for the hope for the sakes of my fantasy team i hope it's decky <laughs> this is the Khoisar Us podcast you can follow us on instagram and on twitter at Coys R Us podcast c-o-y-s-r-u-s look it ahead We've got two matches in the next week. Goodness, yes, we have two matches in the next week. We've got Leicester away. Um, Leicester is currently 14th in the Premier League with six wins, three draws, and 12 losses. They are, what is that, three points from the drop zone right now. So they're not in the greatest shape. We played them early in the season and beat them 6-2 at home. That was the game that, Sonny came off the bench and scored a hat trick in like 15 minutes. So maybe we'll get that again from Sonny. Maybe he'll he'll bag a few more against Leicester. Um, and then after that, next Tuesday, we've got AC Milan away in the opening of the round of 16. I'm really scared. Like a part of me doesn't even want to predict the Champions League game because um, I'm like, I'm, I'm excited for it, but I'm also like a little nervy. The Leicester game I feel pretty good about. I think that's going to be good times, good vibes. We haven't discussed the fact that Larice is going to be out for the next six to eight weeks. So maybe we should touch on that really briefly. I don't know how upset I was by the news because he hasn't been playing that well. I know that there are a lot of mixed feelings amongst the fan base regarding Fraser Foster, but I think he's a really good backup. He's not one for the future, 
but I think he can come in and do a job. He's someone who has started for the Premier League teams even as recently as last season. And I remember when we did our little video previews at the beginning of the season, um, I remember talking about the fact that we signed him and, and feeling like it was an underrated signing because if and when we needed him, we would have someone who's a proven starter be able to come in. And the fact that he's 6'7 doesn't hurt. So for me, I'm actually not that miffed. Obviously, I would like to have our captain back as soon as possible. But I think considering what I everything that I just said and also considering the fact that we don't have a lot of difficult matches upcoming outside of the Champions League, I think he should be okay. I'm not too worried about it. And then, you know, Larice will come back sometime in, in March. I echo everything that you said. Kim, any any counter points no, here? No, absolutely zero counters. And I feel like um, you know, I No anti phrasers on this on this. Pod? I haven't been I haven't been on Twitter to see what people are saying there, but like even in my Queen Spurs group chat, like everyone was sort of like, all right, like we'll we'll see what's gonna happen, but we don't expect it to be terrible. So like, as long as he's adequate, um, and I actually think he has a better like passing game than um than Hugo does so well <laughs> well I, th- th- doesn't take much to do that but yeah, yeah you know if if we can get if we <laughs> if we can get some balls out from the goalkeeper uh that you know find their targets more often maybe we can launch some you know more attacks which will make it easier for him to, to be a goalkeeper when it's all said and done we also didn't talk about Pierre and Benton Kerr. I thought they played well um Pierre had a strong game I think that's going to be two players to look for on Saturday. I think they're going to have a lot to do with how we perform. Um, and yeah, I think we win the game. It's going to be an away match, which we typically tend to get up for. And maybe Sun will actually get back on the score sheet. So uh, bold prediction number one. Uh, I'm going to say Spurs win 3 1. That's also what I have. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. Oh my god! <laughs> oh. I, I that's what I thought. I was like, you know, uh, Lester in general tends to have a decent amount to them offensively. Still, even when they're terrible, they can still find a way to get a goal. Yeah, and we won't Madison's have we won't have you, Romero. Um, so it'll be Davinson probably starting on the right. Um, which the last few times he's played, he's she's looked decent, but I still think, you know, here and there, Spurs can be a little leaky, so I feel like they'll let a goal in, but I do think offensively um, we'll be able to put a lot of stuff together, so I do expect us to score a decent amount. All right, 3-1 across the board, so I guess that's lock it in. It's, <laughs> lock it in. That's probably what's going to happen. Let's make these bets. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Milan away. I'm also going to be in London for that match. I know um, there's going to be a social that the Fighting Cock is putting on, actually. So I will be there. Um, looking forward to meeting some of those guys that that I've been corresponding with over the past year or so. So again, if you're listening and you are planning to be in town or you're going to be at the social for the Milan match, let us know. Reach out to us. Link link us up. I would love to to meet some of the people that have been listening, especially those of you that are across the pond. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to Champions League being back. 
Looking forward to a win on Saturday. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. And hit the music. (laughs) There you go.